if you'd like to check this announcement again you'll find it up on our website kclr96fm.com and you can get all your local stories and more on the KCLR app. Thanks to Kilkenny County Council Arts Office and Creative Ireland. This is The Art Show on KCLR with Hugo Jealous. Coming up on the show, the first in the season and the first time ever for me, a Hugo Jellet. And so I must ask you to forgive the blips and burps and periods of silence and know that when they occur, I'm frantically looking for a proverbial sofa to dive behind while someone else more technically capable is putting it right. Anyhow, this evening we will hear thoughts from two guests of the recent Boris House Festival of Writing and Ideas Festival, the actor Jeremy Irons and filmmaker David Putnam, whatever's in the water of West Cork. My studio guest is Elizabeth Cope, artist and embracer of ideas and harnesser of colour and a wonderfully curious soul. Her incredible show and visual has given her a space that is finally big enough to scratch the surface of the absolute joyousness of her work. We will talk to Podge McNamee of one of my favourite bands, Ham Sandwich, and hear music from them and from Villagers, both of whom are on their way to Kilkenny to play this month. And we will hear from our first artist in profile, Ramon Kassam, born of Limerick, but now working here in the city. There might be some time to weave in some suggestions about what's coming up. And uh, there might not, depending on whether we make bags of the time that's been given to us. Um, so text or WhatsApp on 083 306 9696 with your thoughts and reactions. And if there's something on the near horizon that you think people should hear or see, uh, not just here in the southeast, but elsewhere in Ireland or indeed miles away but unmissable, do please let us know. So... Because I'm involved in the Burris House Festival of Writing Ideas, we're going to start there. And we're going to listen back to a conversation between actor Jeremy Irons and film director David Putnam talking on the subject of the future of cinema. And uh, I was just wondering what you thought the future of film is as cinema rather than just content. Might, you know, might be about elbowing out the movie hall um, from existence or might not. Uh, I was just wondering what you thought the future of film is as cinema rather than just content. I hate the word content, but I mean, I think it's a, I don't, I think it's kind of some bastardization of, of what we try and do. I think there's a role and will continue to be a role for cinema, but this is quite, I don't, it's quite contentious. Here you've got a problem with what's right for society and what's right for, for the art of cinema. I believe 10 years from now, wearable devices will be as common as these and they'll be very sophisticated and they won't be a million miles away from the headset I'm wearing at the moment. So I think the ability to enjoy, if that's the right word, experiences are significant. It's also the truth that if I hold that that far away from me and if I've got a really good, great pair of, ear, of, uh, of earphones, the experience I'm getting is not that dissimilar from the average cinema, except I haven't got someone having popcorn next to me and I'm not having people get up and go into the loo and pass it in. So I'm, in a way, I've got a, a personalised and pretty good thing, despite the fact of the screen. What you miss are several things. You miss the immersive effect, and particularly with comedy, you miss laughter. Laughter's, which we'd be here, uh, this way. laughter's infectious. Once people start laughing, it, it, it ripples around and it, and it creates a different kind of environment. So I think what's going to happen is we will lose a very great deal uh, from, the, from the societal as it were, aspect, 
but actually the quality of, of image and the uh, sensation is probably a good word. The sensation of engagement and, 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 and reality, if you look, is going to be very intense. So I think um, I'd like to ban the word content. I'd like to, I think it's a horses for courses thing. There are some things that work wonderfully well streaming. Uh, streaming has offered the op opportunity that I never had in my career, which is to really explore the subtext of, of, of subjects. You know, the, the, the tyranny for us in movies was always 120 minutes. You know, how do you jam everything you want to do and say and all the characters you want to involve and get to know a bit about them in, in 120 minutes? So I think um, there's room for all of it. Um, I worry about, as I say, losing a societal thing, which I think was already half gone, but the actual experience of going into another world might be better than ever. I think it's something that we, we don't have value for at the moment. We don't see clearly. But as we get more and more individualised with the way we communicate to each other through a screen, the way we work through a screen, the way we see stuff through a screen, always on our own, I think very soon we're going to realise that what we need as people is, is more than that. We need to do things together. We need to sit here together to see a movie, to listen to music, to listen to idiots like David and I talking. We need to share communally. We have, I mean, I'm not saying we need, I'm saying we have a need to share communally. And I think as the commercial side of this whole business gets more and more to give us gadgets so we can do it on our own while we're driving or having a bath or whatever. Um, uh, while that's sort of coming to the fore, we, we will, I think, become more and more aware over a larger section of society that we do need to share football. We know about that, we know, but, but we just think, well, we've got to go there in order to watch it. No, you can watch it on the television, but actually going there is fantastic. Um, it, it, it's something about human beings need to get together and to share something communally. It's good for our souls, I feel. Um, and so I think cinema will never disappear. No, I agree. Um, but uh, how much will, will just depend on how life changes. I, I personally find this individual viewing of life and communication um, heartbreakingly sterile. Heartbreakingly sterile. Wisdom from Jeremy Irons and before him from David Putnam, born, I suspect, of the time they first met when they were working on the mission back in 1986, and then more recently from the time they've spent enjoying life down in West Cork. And, and those words from their, their visit to, uh, to Boris last June down the road here. Um, my studio guest, Elizabeth Cope, artist from Polestown, has just joined us in the studio, and so we might come back, Elizabeth, to your thoughts on how a collective and, and a together audience is, is important for the enjoyment of your work. So let's let you take your jacket off and we'll take a break. The Art Show on KCLR with Hugo Jellis, with thanks to Kilkenny County Council Arts Office and Creative Ireland. Carlo Kilkenny KCLR. Elizabeth Cope now sitting uh, with me in studio is a marvel she she lives in Poolstown in Shankill Castle where she helps run a working farm and she has raised a wonderful family now in my house those two things are the same job but she travels to learn and to explore 
She's an exuberant host, and she runs towards life with an energy and a curiosity that makes me feel pale with envy for. Um, she has taken um, a, a, a recent wonderful upturn in her career as an artist. She has an exhibition on in the Visual Center in Carlo, uh, and it's magnificent. It's the culmination of, of uh, having spent the last 50 years painting. It's not a retrospective, I hasten to add, and we can talk about that in a minute, Elizabeth. She paints people and objects almost indiscriminately. She's not shy of allowing the occasional lobster to find its way onto the canvas, um, beside a tractor part, beside a clutch of donkeys in a portrait of a derobed sitter. She paints nudity a lot, or rather anatomy, and with extraordinary frankness. And she does not use a palette of greys to do so. Elizabeth, you're so welcome here, and it's an honour to sit up with you, and thank you very much for being my first guest. Thank you. The honour is mine, uh, Hugo. <laughs> Um, you 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 heard um, as as we all did from from David Putnam Jeremy Irons about how important uh, a live audience and 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 togetherness is for for um, work as an artist and 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 that's not always true in the case of of, of being a visual artist uh, quite often it can be a, a an alone experience not just for you the painter but also for the person who's who's going to view or enjoy that work of art. Where do you stand on that? Well, I suppose the viewer is part of the deal. You know, you need the um, the creator of the object, which is the painting or whatever, and then you need the viewer. And the viewer is just as important because without the viewer, we're nothing. But when I go to a museum, for example, to a, a, a gallery, and I'm looking at a painting and looking up at the surface of the paint, and then people are coming and clicking cameras, and they're not even looking at the painting. They might as well stay at home, whereas I've gone to the trouble of physically putting myself in front of the painting. Well, I suppose with modern technology, now you can see all the paintings of the world's uh, collections online, but it's not the same. So I can agree totally with Jeremy Irons. You need a live audience to come and see the work close up. It's a, it's a, it's a, you need to smell the paint on, on the canvas. You know, it's a... It's not just a visual thing, it's sensory. Yes, you you have mentioned before how it was the smell of paint yes. that made you want to be an artist yes. in the first place. I think I must be a glue sniffer really deep down. <laughs> but um, <laughs> when my sister came home from Paris when I was nine, she gave me a box of oil paint and it was the smell which seduced me into becoming a painter, I think. And you've, you've said before that, that, that painting is not an, a normal activity. It's, a, it's like having an extra leg. It's like um, something that you have to give into, like yes. an obsession of some kind. Yes, I suppose. I mean, ideally, I'd like to be a kept woman, but that's not going to happen. <laughs> but that's just being lighthearted. But um, the most important, everybody wants their children to be geniuses. And, but I think it's important to be happy as much as you can be. With it. It's a huge subject, you know. Um, people want their child to have a PhD before they're five and all this sort of thing. Well, that might be extreme, but um, it's important to be able to get on with people and because life is so diverse and so mixed, more so now than ever. Um, so I think it's important to have a well-balanced human being overall rather than, you know, um, when I was growing up, my mother used to say to me, for goodness sake, give up that old art business and get yourself a decent job. Now, that's healthy. Now, sometimes people indulge 
maybe. I mean, every child is a genius anyway when they draw and paint. There's no question about that. So, rightly so, they, there shouldn't be children art competitions because it it destroys the whole thing. By bringing a competitive element yes, into it. Yes, I, I think so. Mm-hmm. And um, But the most important thing is to have a balance of... Um, for the child to grow in a good environment without any... Well, you strike me as, as being in an unfortunate place in that you you jump out of bed every morning yes. and run into the chaos that is life. Yes. Um, uh, you know, and everyone has that. Yes. Everyone's yes. life is chaotic. Yes. Um, and, and, and amidst that chaos, it's totally either chaotic. you try and tame the chaos yes. or you chronicle it. Yes. And I, I think you fall into the latter category. Would, would that be fair? Yes. Well, John Cleese, like, he, he would say that we, we go around in life trying to pretend we're kind of normal, trying to fit in, trying not to make a show of ourselves. You know, that's part of we want to try and be civilised, you know. And so what is, is it to be civilised? I mean, that is the question. Yes, perfection, um, um, Elizabeth. Well, it doesn't it exist because we're reaching out for it always, and that's the way it should be, you know. I mean, if you touch it, then it disappears. Yes, and so then, you know, you you work very quickly as a painter. And, y- and yes, well, because I'm a woman, I have no choice. We're multitaskers, I, and we, um, it's, it's a great gift to be able to multitask, but you can also do lots of things good as well within those different tasks. But if you, if so, as a as a fast worker, does that mean that you, um, you f- your work feels in some way? Is it always unfinished? Is that a fair term? Well, what is finished? I mean, um, it's the doing of it that is more important. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if you start off doing something, saying I'm going to finish it, sometimes you can kill it. It's like cooking. If you overcook something, cooking and painting are very similar. It's an alchemy, and you know, oftentimes. You often hear of someone cooking their temper into a stew or uh, the opposite. You can undercook stuff. Painting is just like that. It's knowing when to stop that counts. And then sometimes you have to kill the painting and then there might be a square inch of energy left and then you work on that. And that's when I cut up the canvas and try and get the live bits and put them together. So the cotton collage... Um, method that you use and that's and that's uh, that's in a lot of the work that's in visual in the yes, exhibition. Yes, a lot visual. of it is linen canvas. Not that material makes any difference, you know. And so, how does that work? You 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 quite literally would cut up a piece yes. of canvas of something or yes. an object that you. No, I'd, I'd paint uh, paintings. Uh, some of the paintings I mightn't be happy with, and I would cut them up and make them into other paintings. I would cut them up and stick them onto other canvases. And in but it's not always. I, I I don't do it all the time, but. It's just another way of um, pushing the boundaries. You know, you don't want to, you want to try and keep pushing something in and to see where can you go with it. And it's like dancing, you know, when you dance and suddenly you look down at your feet and then you can't dance anymore. So yes, yes. It's the well, doing that happens of it. to me, it, you know, very quickly. It happens to all of us yeah. at some <laughs> stage, but sometimes the mistakes are the best part of it. Yes. You know, like we're always trying to pretend we're not... Um, 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 you know, sensitive. You can't stop being sensitive. Yes, and and in in a way that that um, that's that, its strength as well. That relationship that you have with perfection or or lack thereof is 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 lovely in that it's all you know it it makes work that feels unfiltered instead of you know having the contrivance of lots of time to yes. make it you know finished and polished and complete. Yes. Let, let's talk a little bit about um, the show in visual. Yes. So it's. 
not a retrospective. It's it's it sort of feels more like an unleashing. I'm only starting to paint now. Um, <laughs> you know, 70 is young, you know. It's the first rung of the step. Um, well, I mean, this is a, for those who, who don't know Visual in Carlo, it's a mega gallery. It's a it's an absolutely beautiful um, space. And, and it's an extremely hard room to fill, I think is probably the right word. But your work in it is, is just, uh, you know, one of the most extraordinary shows that's ever been there. In um, in its in its approach to color and scale and size and indeed um, playing with with things like very frank portraits of parts of of the male and female anatomy, um, did you enjoy it? I, I must say the, the, the people in visual have been so good to me. Every single person, without exception, they have been incredible, and they're a bunch of geniuses as far as I can as far as I'm concerned, they've been so kind and I, I cannot, they made it easy for me. I just let them take the paintings, they picked them out and and um, I, I'm so, so impressed, headed by Benjamin Stafford. And of course, um, Emma Lucy O'Brien, she came out to my gallery, uh, my studio, as a result of Bernard Jennings, who yes, was a friend for many years, and incredible, and he said, I've got to bring Emma Lucy here. And then um, Emma Lucy had a baby in the meantime, and she's back in track now, on, on track, and um, Benjamin is there as well, and a whole team of other people who are just amazing. I, I, I can't even think of all the names because... But tell me, Elizabeth, do you, do you, do you find your work fun? Do you, do you, is there an enjoyment that you get, an immediate exuberance? Um, when, you, when, you are, um, when you're painting, you, I think... You know, don't don't really like the studio. You like, you like well, to get out. I, I can't understand why people want to paint in a shed where there are no walls and just a couple of lights in a roof. It's the most awful thing. I prefer to paint in as much light as possible, and I I I, do, I like to be outside as much as I can, because you're more um, when you're in a room with four walls, you're you're less inclined to be normal. When you're outside, your your spirit goes out into the elements and. It, it, it's much more um, good for your for your health, I think. Yeah. You know, uh, not enough people work outside. We're, we're all so kind of in little boxes all the time. I think that's really sad. It is sad, but also outside, life is unfolding in front of you. Yes. And, and often that that those you know those forms of life have four legs and bleat. Yes, of or, course. Yes. You know, a, yes. a tractor that's going by, or whatever yes. it might be. So yes. I, I I I totally understand that there's 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 so much more there to yes. capture if um, and I think I've seen um, photos of you sitting on the um, back of a pickup truck oh, yes, in a yes, deck chair yes. being driven around. Yes, well I've painted on a dump in Guatemala City and on different places in Somalia, where, but and I mean these are exciting places. And the great thing about getting older is when I went to. Sao Paulo, I could paint on the street and nobody bothers you, you know, it's great getting old, it has yeah. its good side And so do you travel now to paint? Well, I, with COVID I couldn't really travel, you know, I hadn't been in London for two and a half years I went over a couple of weeks ago to the Freeze Art Fair and um, hadn't been in London since March the 12th, 2020 Okay, well Elizabeth is going to stay with us in studio and um, we're going to talk again before the end of the show and um, in case I forget to say it then, please, please, um, to everyone who's listening, will you go and see one of the most invigorating and uplifting exhibitions anywhere in Ireland? Um, uh, except it's not far away, it's near. 
Um, it's it's um, it's in visual in Carlo, and it is called the palpable bump on the bridge of the nose, and it runs until the start of January. Don't miss it. Thank you. You're listening to the Art Show on KCLR with Hugo Jellis, brought to you with thanks to Kilkenny County Council Arts Office and Creative Ireland. Carlo Kilkenny KCLR. Kilkenny's Pride and Joy, St. Canice's Cathedral, opens its doors to a very special acoustic show <clears throat> by villagers this Friday, November the 4th. So we're going to have a listen to this beautiful version of their song, Nothing Arrived, recorded during lockdown by normal people, actor Paul Mescal and his sister Nell. Savannah scatters and the That was a beautiful rendition of Nothing Arrived by Paul Mescal and his sister Nell of the Villagers track, and they'll be performing in St. Canice's Cathedral on Friday. Now we're going to go to the first of our artists in profile, um, and Ethna Quirk, who is the producer of this show, and, and, and I'm going to take this moment to say thank you so much to her for guiding me through it. Um, Ethna had gone out and visited Ramon Kassan earlier this week in his studio. My name is Ramon Kassam. 
I am a visual artist. I mostly make paintings. What I do is I imagine alternative but familiar worlds to my one, and I make paintings that might come from those places. I'm originally from Limerick, um, but grew up in Dublin for a bit, and I'm in Kilkenny now because I suppose I kind of married into it. I live in Thomastown, so I don't quite know what that is. It has urban qualities and rural qualities, I suppose. Yes, the, the urban is a huge influence on my work, and I often think living in towns and cities is like living in a painting. So much of the built environment is literally painted. Your buildings, your road markings, uh, the shapes and colours and textures a uh, town might have. And that's all brought together by planners and communities and individuals over generations that can kind of give every single town or city its own identity and texture and feel. And I kind of love that unwitting, random, intergenerational collaboration that creates that. And so that, that collision of all sorts of accidents, plans, forms and colours, that definitely is a big influence in how I think about constructing paintings. The career highlight, it, it tends kind of to be the latest thing I've done. Um, but for the most part, the highlights are actually kind of small ones and private moments. Like as a visual artist, you don't have that kind of immediate audience feedback that a musician or actors might have on stage. Once your paintings are up in an exhibition, you're not present in the room with them and the viewer. So you don't have that kind of high. Um, so a lot of the satisfaction I have comes from things like resolving a painting or an idea I've been struggling with or hanging out with other artists' friends and studios and growing up and falling away together as artists. What's it like to be an artist in Kilkenny? Well, I'm here four years, but I still kind of feel like I'm bedding in. I mean, during that time with COVID, so it's kind of slow, slow down the, the process of kind of settling. But to be honest, I would imagine it's quite difficult from a visual artist's perspective anyway, um, because contemporary art is it's really connected to the availability of property. And painting, for example, is made in a studio, it's exhibited in a gallery, and a good fortune ends up in a home or an institution or organisation, all of which are buildings, really. And the fact that Kilkenny has zero studio provision essentially cuts the source of artist activity or production at its root. And I'm I, like I'm I'm lucky here that I have a studio at home, and that seems to be the way for with others that I've met who are working here. But that's not really going to be the case or attainable for most artists, whether they're young, old, established, or emerging. And I know there's been great difficulty nationally in recent years in maintaining studio spaces or preventing their closure due to rising rents and economic forces. But still, all other Irish cities and many Irish towns have some form of studio provision, and for all its cultural vibrancy and vitality, unfortunately, Kilkenny regretfully has none. And every, every, really, every city should should have some buildings full of artists. Artists' activity is isolated otherwise, and it disappears. And I know there's a space for craft here, but contemporary artists is craft's kind of difficult, awkward sibling, and needs to be nurtured too. And the visual arts, for the most part, are not commercially viable, but they are culturally valuable, like sport or GA, for instance. And definitely in a time like now where visual language is probably the dominant language of our time. I mean, we speak in images constantly. And if Kilkenny is to further develop its own visual literacy and identity, to project to the people who live here and to the world beyond, then studio provision is going to be essential. And not to mention all the other benefits that come from having groups of artists working and producing in cities. And I know I'm not from here, but my wife is and my one-year-old son is. So I'm committed to here, and I deeply desire for Kilkenny to be a place where the visual arts can make a huge contribution to the wider culture of the region and into the world. What are you currently working on? 
I tend to work in fits and bursts and I usually complete a body of work for an exhibition and then I go back to the studio again and start with a black blank slate. So that's kind of where I'm at now. I have an empty studio here. But my most recent project was an exhibition called Paintings from the Last Gallery and Studio and that ran in the summer in Temple Bar Gallery in Dublin. And it was kind of influenced by changing landscapes, that feeling underneath our feet of a rapidly changing world, um, an emerging digital world, the collapse of artist studios and spaces and cultural spaces, and even shopping spaces, um, and maybe also societal and environmental challenges. So I kind of imagined, like I said earlier, an alternative reality where all galleries and studios were gone. And I kind of had fun then making the paintings I imagined came from the very last one, if that makes any sense. The most rewarding part of being an artist? I suppose it's the sense of purpose and connection it can give you to people, but also a connection to a tradition, skills and materials. For me, it unlocks ways of thinking that I don't, well, I don't think were possible doing something else. I mean, when I was in school, I was a poor student and I really struggled academically. Felt stupid, to be honest. And kind of accepted that I wasn't the brightest spark. But then all of a sudden I went to art college and it felt like for the first time in my life my brain was suited to the environment and I just got it. So the personal growth stuff can be just as rewarding as the creative growth and professional growth. What advice would you give to someone interested in being an artist? Visual art is ex- it's an extremely competitive industry and unfortunately it pits artists and friends against each other in pursuit of extremely limited opportunities. So I guess find colleagues, peers, allies stick together, work together, make things happen together because what's good for the group is good for the individual, as they say. And lastly, where can we find more about you and your work? Um, so you can find more about my work on my website, RamonKassam.com and Instagram as well. You can find me on Instagram. Um, I'm also um, starting a conversation with a fellow uh, Kilkenny artist here, Sinead Lucy, about the idea of setting up studio spaces. And we're actually going to put a call out soon looking for other artists interested in in studios. So you can also email artist.workspace.kilkenny at gmail.com if you're interested in that. Pudge McMinnie of one of my favourite bands, Ham Sandwich, joining me now on the line. Um, Ham Sandwich are playing at the end of November uh, in the Set Theatre here in Kilkenny. And uh, I, for one, will be there. Their, their live performances are, are simply incendiary. They're, they're notorious for being some of, the, some of the best that there are currently amongst anyone playing music in the country. You're very welcome, Podge. Thanks so much, Hugo, for having me. So, How are you? I'm good, I'm good, thank you very much. We usually meet in a field uh, each September yeah, at the back of a shipwreck. And nice, cosy weather. I know, that that's nice. I know the, 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 the spate of weather that blew all the pears off the trees and all the leaves down the road um, has passed now. But let's talk about, let's talk about, uh, let's talk about you and about Magnify, which is, which is your new album, um, I, I think your your most fabulous work and the sheer musicianship and layers of mischief that you are able to lay on top of top of it. So you you um, Brian and Neve make up the band. Are you tight? Yeah. Yeah. God. Yeah. We're. Yeah. It's mad. Like you'd kind of think you know familiarity breeds content, but no, we're 
we it's it, you kind of get used to you know we're, we've been friends from day one obviously but um you kind of grow respect more respect for people i think the more you kind of have your ups and downs with them um because like obviously a 20 year long nearly 20 year long relationship is obviously going to be you know hairy moments but overall uh yeah it's um we you know we very much get each other we're quite we're quite um tight knit now at this stage it is, and there's something to be said for being older and wiser instead of young and foolish. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if, I don't know if I'm getting any more mature, but I'll take it. Well, yeah, take what you can. <laughs> and so, um, Podgy, are you a, a superstitious person? How how do you prepare for a gig? Yeah, it, it depends. I I have different... I think one of my... It wouldn't be for every gig, but I definitely do have... Um, there would be one or two nights before each gig that, you know, especially the kind of more exciting gigs that we have where I, you know, I kind of have if issues sleeping, but it'd be because I'd be running ideas in my head, you know, what what I want to do or <laughs> even might say on the on the stage or whatever. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't have any sort of, you know, like lucky socks or any, I know Darcy sometimes wears a jumper, <laughs> literally this particular jumper if he if he's a gig that he wants to make sure there's no issues with, you know. Oh my god, um, fantastic! I'll, I'll look out for jumper at the end of the month. And do you do you? Have you ever seen Darcy wearing a jumper in a really hot venue? <laughs> <laughs> and um, do you enjoy the gigging more than you do the studio work, or is are they very different? Um, I it it's easy for me. Like the studio can be very very good fun, but it's also it can be equally as it can be equally stressful because like you're usually you know um even if you have the ideas it's kind of like you know you're at the the end stages of a song and you know it's a very precious thing to to create one song never mind 10 plus songs and um, so i personally i know i don't Eve always says she loves it but uh, i don't think i'd be in the same same boat as her i i i love the fun of it and the creativity of it but at the same time it's a very serious process, um, you know, and it can get quite stressful. Um, I'd, I'd, if I had to take take a pick, I'd absolutely be saying gigs because I, I don't really find gigs stressful. Really, I'd, I'd find it a massive release, and um, I like everything about it. Even like just travelling to the venues, no matter what type of travel it is, you know, it's a it's like a, a trip, you know, like a day out or whatever. For me, I love it. Oh, well, that's great to hear. And um, Podge, before we play a, a track from the new album, Julie, I just I thought I'd ask you, what is there out there that you think people ought to go and see or listen to or a gig coming up or a show that's on? Um, I'm, I, well, I'd like to promote Irish bands for sales. There's so many good ones now. Like I could just rhyme them off. There's, a, there's an amazing, loud live band that I love called Tumpert of Two Drum Kits and there's Ethanessa Francis who's just released an absolutely stunning album it's, it's eye-openingly eye good and there's Kinsey I'm sure you've heard of all yes. these acts but Kinsey, Kinsey would be my tip I just think even for such a young a young artist like there's just acres of potential coming from her I can see her being very 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 promising act and and there's another one or two. Like there's obvious, obvious things like DC Fontaines, but they don't really need any more. They don't any need your help. help. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, Thumper, I, I, I must agree with you. Are just a thrilling act to watch. They really are. And um, and yeah. so 
if if there's a, we'll put on the website if there's a gig coming up for any of your three recommendations because I know you can't go wrong if you love them they're going to be good. Yeah, well, Ethan Nessa Francis is a, is incredible. Susan O'Neill is um, an amazing um, actor as well. There's a lot of a lot of stuff coming out of Ireland tends to be female. Tends to be, like towards I I tend to temper or not. All men, but some of the most uh, creative and talented at the minute are definitely female. That's amazing. Okay. Well, Podge, thank you so much for giving me some wise words, and I will see you in Kilkenny at the end of the month. Here now, we're going to hear the track, Judy.
Obstacle Kenny County Council Arts Office and Creative Ireland. This is The Art Show on KCLR with Hugo Jealous. Carlo Kilkenny, KCLR. Music before the break from Ham Sandwich. We're back to wrap up the show with uh, the exquisite company of Elizabeth Cope, who's just made uh, such a beautiful and generous first guest, and, and I'd like to thank you very much um, for that, Elizabeth. She, uh, there is a, there's a short film that you can see. Um, you can see it in the gallery in visual, and you can see it online. Um, and it's a film about um, Elizabeth's working practice, and it's made by Ross Kaffner. It has had an astronomical 40,000 people watching it, and there's good reason. So go search and find that out. Um, Elizabeth, I, I think before we, before we wrap up, I wanted to ask a little more about the cut and collage method, and in particular about the cut and collage in the show in visual. Yes, well, um, there are some paintings that are cut out and collaged. Um, I have the room called the menopausal room or the Fanny Tittenbaum room. And, um, <laughs> of course, uh, we don't allow children under 16 to go in there. And um, if you are a school and would like to see the show, there are three paintings that are covered with milder paintings. Um, and if you ring visual they will let you know when schools are going and you can bring all the children and they're quite suitable for children i'm a mother and a grandmother so i totally understand if people are prudish and, and that's that's fine that's that's okay with me and um but the cutouts as i said earlier come out of pushing the boundaries of the painting each time because each painting is like a new experience and i'm only beginning to paint now so it's, it takes 70 years to get off the ground, so... 70 years to get started. 52 so years, are. actually, <laughs> to be quite precise. And, um, and, and, and obviously there's, a, there's an interesting dynamic in using a, um, a cutout yes. from a previous painting. Yes, and you're not it, wasting. It, it's, it's also using stuff that's there. Yes, reusing. Well, that's wonderful. And before you go, um, Elizabeth, I'd, I'd ask um, Podge from Ham Sandwich about things that he thought might be... Uh, good for people to go and see things that are coming up. Yes. And they might be shows or artists to look out for. Yes. Or, or again, they, they might just be people who are making recordings yes. such as podcasts. Yes. What do you have? Well, I have a mixed bag. Um, for example, I, I haven't been to Dublin much as you know because of COVID, obviously, but um, I went to the Kevin Kavanagh Gallery the other day and there's a wonderful exhibition by a Spanish girl called Vanessa um, something Lopez um, which is very colourful, mm-hmm. uh, cheerful paintings, Kevin, Kevin small gallery, paintings, yes. Gallery in Dublin, yes. And then in the National Gallery, of course, there was a wonderful small exhibition of sculptures and some paintings by Giacometti. Yes. And then for my 70th birthday... Last year it was. No, this it, year. It's this year. It, it was over, I think, around September, but um, we went to see it twice. Um, and then for my 70th birthday, we went to Copenhagen, and there in Copenhagen there's a museum called the Louisiana Museum, which has the most amazingly wonderful large um, sculptures by Giacometti, of which I'm a big fan, obviously. Yeah. And there's interesting people doing podcasts. Greg Canty from Cork, and Alan Keane has made a whole lot of podcasts and films on artists, and has brought artists together. And then His um, name again? Alan Keane. Alan Keane. Yes, he's an artist in his own right. And then there's an amazing woman called Roisin Cleary who lives here in Kilkenny. Yes. She was in Kilkenny local radio 
and now she has her own podcast. She was talking about menopause, an amazing human being. So exciting. Try listen to her podcasts, please. Well, and you then, have... Um, go on. And then fi- finally, I'm nearly finished now, and then um, uh, Geneve Figgis, who's from Bray, uh, she is doing really well, and she's a wonderful colorist, even though she paints in um, acrylic paint, which is not my favorite, but oh she has a great feeling for color. Okay. And color is so important, and we're all afraid of it, so we must get well, there's, there's, there's no fear for you. With and lots colour. of drawing as well. We <laughs> must wrap up there and with thanks to, to Martin uh, here in the studio, uh, Ethna, the producer, and to Elizabeth for being so wonderful again. Thank you very much. Thank you. The Art Show on KCLR with Hugo Jealous with thanks to Kilkenny County Council Arts Office and Creative Ireland.